And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we are going to be presenting a deep and introspective interview with one of the greatest American actors of all time. Waiting a long time to interview this gentleman, and I'm so excited. Before we begin, I just want to point out that this show is not a metaphysical type program or emphasis that we normally do, but our featured guest does talk about his faith, and I'm so glad that he did. And one of the reasons why I've always wanted to bring this gentleman to your attention is because I feel that he is such a wonderful example of expressing your individuality and doing it in such an awesome fashion. It seems that today there's so much pressure to conform and think like other people and this group thinking. It's like the individual is being pushed aside and please, I hope you resist. Be who you are. Come as you, you, come as you are. If you wish to share your faith or your beliefs or your likes or your dislikes, please do so. Hopefully you'll do it in a peaceful-like manner, but I think the world would be such a boring and horrible place if everyone thought the same and acted the same. And this gentleman that is on our show tonight, he expressed all of his talents in multiple ways, and he had an impact on so many people around him. You've definitely seen him in films. You'll recognize his voice right away. And I believe that all of us have the capability of locking within ourselves the talents that we've been born with and hopefully we'll use those talents and express our individuality to its highest expression let us begin tonight's show it's a great honor to welcome to the program Stacy Keach he's somebody whose work I've admired for years he is one of the most prominent actors in the world today he was inducted into the theater hall of fame he was honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2019 You've known him as Mike Hammer. You've also heard his voice on American Greed. And you've seen him in a ton of films. Mr. Keach, thank you for being with us today. Welcome to our show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I've always thought you were an amazing artist and that you have shown such versatility with your roles. And I want to ask some of the first questions. Is How have you been able to completely immerse yourself in a character and bring a power and feel of authenticity to that character without personally experiencing the firsthand trial and tribulations of that character and waking reality. Separating life from art is a very difficult thing for the artist to do because so much of his life is part of, is, is devoted to his art. And so it's very hard to separate uh, when I'm playing a character, for example, I remember 
the first time I played Hamlet. I played Hamlet three times, and the very first time I played him, I felt like, well, I was sort of in a method acting posture at that time, and I was playing Hamlet. When I, when I wasn't in rehearsal, I was experiencing in my imagination what Hamlet was going through. And unfortunately, I was living with somebody at the time, and I was, you know, a young lady, and uh, I, I would come home and I'd start screaming at her as if she were Ophelia. This was not a good thing. Got it. So yeah. I was, you know, I unfortunately it it, it it slopped over into real life what I was experiencing as a character, and that's not good. And I learned in later years the best thing to do when you are leaving the theater is to hang the character up on your dressing room hook uh, hanger and leave it there and, and go be yourself. It took me a long time to learn how to do that. As a young actor, I was constantly, and I think it's very typical of young actors and actors in general, to immerse themselves in the role that they're experiencing at the time, whatever that role happened to be. One of the great advantages of doing repertory theaters, as the English do, and we used to do it here, I did it at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival some years ago, is that you get to play a different character every day. So it's not you're, you're not playing the same person all the time. You get a chance to experience you know, variety, versatility. Awesome. And when you have portrayed individuals such as President Johnson or President Nixon uh -huh. or Mike Hammer, what elements of yourself, your observation of these scripted qualities, or your natural talent you bring to each of these roles, do you find that sometimes it is the nonverbal gestures for some of these characters that become the strongest tools available to tell the story most effectively? Mm. Mm. Nonverbal gestures. Very good phrase. I like that a lot. That's good. Okay. <laughs> because that's very, that's very, uh, I think it's very important in order to, when you're developing a character, the details, the genius is in the details always. And, and when you can find those innuendos and suggestions with behavior that doesn't have anything to do with words, you're ahead of the game as an artist. And I think that's true in music as well as in, uh, in performing uh, Shakespeare. And when you have portrayed these particular characters, if you have an idea of what they're going to sound like and be like, what would you say would be considered the Keech factor? Like, what are you going to bring to each of your roles well, that other people will not bring, or they, maybe they won't have at their disposal? Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't presume on anybody else, you know, in terms of what they would bring to a role that both of us were playing. You know, the great thing about classical theater is that you are portraying the characters that many actors have portrayed, particularly Shakespeare. I love doing Shakespeare. And I mean, and there have been great, many great Hamlet's, Lears, Macbeth's, uh, I have to spit three times and turn around, I'm not supposed to say that word. Uh, anyway, you know, it, uh, and, and to find your own unique voice, your own individuality, I think, has to do with, well, many things. 
in researching a character, a lot of times if you're going to play a character that many actors have played, sometimes I like to see what every single actor did with that particular moment or part or, you know. Uh, and then other times I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to be intimidated by somebody else's brilliant performance. I'd never, I was asked many times in my young career to play Stanley Kowalski. And I couldn't go near it. I just couldn't do it. I mean, I was so, you know, it's interesting because I could, you know, I, I could play Hamlet. And even though I, Olivier and Christopher Plummer and uh, even Mel Gibson, I mean, wonderful. Well, I say even Mel Gibson because he's not really known as a classical actor, but he was a great Hamlet. I thought Zepparelli directed him, of course. I've been watching a lot of your roles. I seem to I yeah. observe that a lot of your characters, almost all of your characters, always you always seem to have a presence on camera, and your characters always seem to be like aware of who they are. When you are in a character, how do you convey a certain more commanding presence? And how do you also kind of lessen the significance of the character based on how they're being portrayed? Is there anything that you do to bring more life or take less life away to the character in order for them to be more effective with their presentation? Wow, that's quite a question. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Uh, yeah. It's like a, more like a book. Uh, <laughs> very nice. I, I enjoy. I enjoy these questions. You know, they're very provocative and they're very stimulating. Thank uh, you. Yeah, uh, I I always think in abstract terms, uh, as well as realistic and, and representational terms, when I'm creating a character. I most important thing for me is to know how what a character sounds like, how they what, what the, the the physicality of a character, how they walk, uh, how they how they eat a hamburger. Uh, it's it's very important also to know in more abstract terms. What musical instrument is this character? What color is this character? What insect is this character? What animal? You know, to find all these different abstractions that stimulate the imagination and allow the actor to express himself in very vivid visual terms as well as verbal terms. And because you were born with a cleft lip, you faced a challenge yeah. that many children didn't have to face. So what right, impact right. did this have on your physical, uh, psychological and spiritual development? And do you think that because you faced think, a challenge like this so, so early in your life that it gave you a sense of resilience, passion, pride that you wouldn't have had otherwise? That's very true. I became an overachiever as a young guy. I was very determined that the teasing that kids would give me would only inspire me to find other ways of excelling, uh, you know, whatever I was doing, whether it be sports or academics or uh, or acting. Yeah, 
uh, and it was very important for me to be as as good or as I possibly could be in doing that. You know, so I was I was I think very driven and motivated by you know being a, an outcast. So I, I identify so strongly today with what's going on in this world with Black Lives Matter. I just yeah. Uh, I one of my great successes as an actor was uh, Richard the uh, Third Shakespeare, and uh, he was deformed, unfinished, sent before his time into this breathing world, scarce and half made up, and that's so lamely the dogs bark at me as I halt by them. And I love that part. I love that character. I mean, I identified with him so strongly because of my own history. Of all the roles that you've had, which one would you describe as your Picasso in terms of the way it was written, the way it flows, and the way you presented it? doesn't matter if it was on stage, film, or TV. The next one. Okay. <laughs> I remember reading that. And to let everyone know that... Stacy's got an amazing book called All in All, and it's incredible how much information is packed in there. All the people you came across, the fact that you were teaching Henry Winkler at your at school, and you taught all these wonderful people. Have you ever sought to learn from I would consider people uh, dark mentors, individuals that are cold, evil, vicious, but have accomplished many incredible things? Have you ever sought these dark mentors for the purpose of becoming the antithesis of their core values, both professionally and personally? I like to stay away from darkness okay. altogether. I'm a person of, I mean, I even though, because darkness would find all of us. I mean, that's fine, you know, but I'm always looking for the light. I don't, uh, I, I look for inspiration in those, in those terms. Uh, yeah. I look, uh, yeah. Okay. I, Other artists who do, Music is very much a part of my life, even though I haven't revealed that to the world so much. I'm planning on doing so in my twilight years, but uh, I'm a keyboard guy and I'm a composer, but I, I don't, uh, I don't really, I haven't, I haven't really shared that with the, the world as much as I plan on doing What's the driving force behind your creative expressionism, whether it be music, whether it be TV or film? Do you create from inspiration? Yeah. Do you create from desperation? Do you have an intuition driving force within that kind of guide? Okay. I, 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 intuition, yes. I mean, yeah. I, I think also it's, uh, I feel my, my purpose in life is to share my gifts with others and in as many different forms as I can do that. That's why I love being an actor. And, uh, more so than uh, I, I know a lot of actors are like directing. I, I enjoy directing, but, I, but it's not a passion of mine. My passion is, is acting. Um, even though I'm in the midst of directing of a, uh, a Zoom production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with the wonderful cast. I'm, gonna, I'm always wanting to play Big Daddy. 
so I'm getting a chance to do that in a zoomed theatrical adaptation. It's going to be really interesting. I've never heard of that before. I mean, I'm sure that's going to be what that's where TV movies are going in. Yeah, zooming is, is, is what's happening now. It's the now. It's unbelievable. What's uh, and it's very frustrating for a lot of actors because you are your the technology that you have to be aware of is uh, beyond a lot of people, you know, particularly older generation. I'm very fortunate that I've always been very interested and active with technology to win out. I mean, I'm not a nerd, but I'm, I'm not. You know. You're aware. <laughs> yeah. And but zooming is because you're your own cameraman, your own sound man, and you have to scroll a script and um, um, and unmute and and stop camera <laughs> and remember to <laughs> come back on again. You know, I mean, in the theater we say "break a leg" is a kind of a good, you know slogan for good luck. And in Zoom theater we say uh, uh, "forget to mute." Mr. Keats, this is a two-part question. Uh, Marjorie Doris once said that every journalist is a moralist, and I have always thought that that would apply to other professions. So what have been some of the moral values that you have interwoven in your career, and have there been certain topics, events, or people that you made an extra effort to put in a positive light because of your personal admiration? That's a very daunting question. I... I always try to, I mean, I try to keep morality out of the equation uh, in, in terms of making value judgments. For example, Iago is a character that I've always wanted to play. I've never had a chance to play him. I've, I've done pieces of him many times. He's probably the, the most despicable human being on the face of, you know, in literature. I mean, he's, he's the there's not one redeeming value, moral value in, in this character at all. And yet it's a great, great part. It's, it's, it's the longest role in Shakespeare. But to make a quality, you know, it's like we are put, when an actor is asked to play a bad guy, you know, I mean, there are certain characters that I don't want to, I, I, it doesn't interest me to go near a, playing a, a, a child molester. I have no desire, you know, to, uh, to get inside the ethos of a of somebody that's that depraved, but if the crime or the expression of the crime, as in Shakespeare, is so eloquent and so incisive and so human, then it's worth sharing my talent with that element with that person with that essence that i feel i don't feel you know i i don't have the stigma of like i you know i don't want to go near a playing a you know a sexual pervert that doesn't interest me Mr. Keach, uh, when I watched you play Ken Titus on Titus, I, uh -huh. I, I went through several. I went through several pairs of underwear because I was laughing so hard. I think that was one. Of, I think that was one of the funniest characters I've ever oh, seen. Me, it was no, thank you. comedic yeah. brilliance. My father and I uh, we bonded watching that show, watching you in action. So, 
Where does oh, your great, yeah, great, there you, yeah, you were awesome. I mean, <laughs> you were oh, that was so much fun. Incredible. I love that character. Oh my god, so what? much fun. He's such uh, the worst, <laughs> such uh, terrible, but he was funny. You see, and I, I had the great privilege and pleasure of meeting the real Ken Titus <laughs> when he was alive. He died during the course of our doing uh, the show. But I met him, and I, I said, I, and he was such a wonderful man. I loved him, and he loved, he loved Christopher. And I said, how can you stand seeing your son, you know, depict you in such a terrible light, you know, all the time? And he said, as long as it's funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, as you're... long as you're laughing. I thought, wow, that's a great insight. And what a wonderful man he was. Oh, I love that character. I had so much fun incredible. playing that character. Well, listen, I've done knockoffs of that guy in a couple of sitcoms since then. And they're crowded with Patrick Warburton and more recently, uh, Man with the Plan with uh, Matt LeBlanc. And those dads, those authoritarian dads were... I think they were shadows of Ken Titus because Ken Titus was the guy. He was the, hard to compete with. He was, that was the writing was so good. Well, the, so good. So many great lines. The writing was the key. It was so good. The writing. Yeah. Jack well, Kenny and Brian Hargrove. They were wonderful, wonderful producers. I was really surprised when you were doing that show because you had a, Recognized you for a lot of dramatic roles, so, but your flair for comedy was incredible. So, I was wondering how oh, have you been you. able to immerse yourself? How have you been able to succeed so well at comedy and so well in drama and so well at all these other professions? Because your 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 versatility is really amazing. So, how does the flair for comedy come from? Where do you? Um, what is your foundation for comedy? I think it comes from family. I, you know, I, I come from a wonderful family. Great parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and I just uh, and everybody has a wonderful sense of humor my dad particularly and my mom both <laughs> were, you know, they have a great sense of humor and I think humor is you know it's how we it's a very important survival mechanism and I uh, my wife and I have been married for 34 years Next, starting in, in, in next week as a matter of fact congratulations wedding anniversary thank you very much and we laugh a lot. We do. We have a great time together. Humor is very important, and and which brings me back around to something else we were talking about in terms of what I'm looking for when I'm working with on a character, and that is humor. To find the humor in Hamlet is to find the humanity. I think. Wow, that's uh, that's real awesome. And are there what three actors and directors? pushed you so hard that it may mm. have been a tough experience but you became a stronger performer and artist because of it oh well I worked with so many wonderful directors I mean Franco Zaffirelli uh, John Huston uh, Oliver Stone they're all great directors and I've had the privilege and honor of working with and uh, John Huston and one of the great directors, when I was doing Fat City years ago as a young actor, and he said, to, after the English opening shot, he said, I want you to come down the stairs, stay, and then I want you to do something unusual. <laughs> just do something and just use your imagination, just do something and surprise me. 
I thought, wow, what a great direction. What a great direction. Great. Uh, yeah. That's cool. And um, what is the measure for which you define personal? There's a, a, a two-part question. What is the measure for which you define personal and professional achievement? If a person has experienced a tremendous amount of abuse early in life, and despite having mm. uh, permanent trauma through courage and determination, they create a stable life for themselves. Is that an example of a bigger well, accomplishment think, than uh, someone who's become a multimillionaire through a series of trial and errors? Oh, well, that's a two-part question. Yep. I'm a spiritual guy. I'm a, I, 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 I believe in, uh, I'm a Christian. Okay. And, and I, uh, I believe in those values. I believe in spiritual values. I, I believe in the power of prayer. And uh, I... I've experienced it, I, and I, I think it's it's kept my I think a spiritual identity is an important when, when, no matter what it is is it's an it's an important dimension in the human makeup. I think it's also a source of inspiration for creativity um, and. When, when things get bad, and, you know, and God knows we're all in a situation right now where who knows if we're facing the end of the world. What, yeah. We don't know. <laughs> so, so we don't know. How has your faith shaped your values and how would have been like maybe two experiences where you relied upon your faith the most where it really pulled you through and, and really helped you become a better person? In my uh, late 30s, early 40s, I had a terrible drug problem. I, had a, I was in the grip of cocaine, got busted for trying to bring it into England, and did, uh, I was sentenced to nine months in English prison, did, and did six months. But still, that period of time, uh, I relied very heavily on my spiritual values. And I remember watching an interview that you did after that had happened, and I remember you had said, because you were talking earlier about looking for the positive side, and you said that you had experienced more freedom in that prison than you did when you were addicted to drugs because you, you didn't have that addiction hanging over top of you. Because of that experience that you had, right. because of that traumatic okay. experience, how did that allow you to become, let's say, more empathetic towards other characters, characters you were playing. Do you think that that experience as a whole forced you to develop other talents within you that you wouldn't have had otherwise had that experience not happened? Yes, being rid of that, being forced, first of all, that was, you know, to go cold turkey, absolutely, uh, which was traumatic in itself. But being asked by the warden of the prison, the Reading Jail, to uh, to be the librarian and to help the young offenders write letters uh, hold on just a minute. To write letters and to help them communicate with their families, and 
be, being forced in a way to be in the service of others was also a very rehabilitating experience for me. Mr. Keats, the final question I have is what would you say would be some of the biggest achievements in your life, your biggest perfect, biggest achievements, and also... My biggest what, achievement, yeah. without question, is my family. Without question. Yeah, my family. I have a wonderful family. I'm blessed with two great kids and a wonderful wife, and uh, I've, I've, I've been blessed with a great life. I mean, I... And I'm now, uh, you know, I'm, as I enter the, the, the twilight years, I'm still hoping to stay active, particularly now with Zoom theater. <laughs> Mr. Stacy Keach, I want to thank you for being with us today. When the show first started in 2014, you were one of the first people that I wanted to interview. I remember in 2002... Again, my father and I were laughing so hard watching you as Ken Titus, and it was great. And then I, I found that your work over the years has, has been awesome. And my uncle, uh, Leo, thinks the world of you as well. So I'm, I'm so thrilled that we were able to have you on our show. Thank you so much. Thank for you, Ryan. Speech. It was a pleasure doing, doing this interview. I loved your questions. They were, they were in and of themselves worthy of uh, writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> Or at least a chapter. Uh, Take care, Ryan. Stay safe. Okay, everyone. That concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our honored guest, Stacy Keach. And special thanks to Dick Gutman and Gutman Associates for arranging this interview. Special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Constance Dallas, and Ms. Lisa McGarrity. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Truth, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. And until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening.